Hello everybody, it is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. Appreciate you guys' support a ton. Everything's been doing excellent and I just can't thank you guys enough. Let's get right into another great episode. We got a ton to talk about. We're going to talk about top 10 power forwards, some NBA news, some NFL stuff, NFL team power rankings. And yeah, I hope you enjoy. Let's get right into it. First, I want to talk about my top 10 power forwards in the NBA. Starting off with some honorable mentions. First honorable mention, we do have Christian Wood. He's a very interesting player as uh, just statistically, he only averaged 13.1 points, 6.3 rebounds last uh, year on pretty good efficiency with him uh, almost shooting 57% from the field. The three ball was something that was really impressive and that took a a big leap. He shot almost 39%, which for his size and his versatility is really impressive. Uh, he was definitely great out of the pick and pop. That is something that impressed me the most. And uh, he was pretty decent from the free throw line, too. So that shows that he should be uh, a good three-point shooter uh, from here going on. And he was a good three-point shooter previous in his career. And I'm expecting a big season out of Christian Wood. He is a free agent. I'll be very interested to see you. Uh, what he does, but if he does stay with the Detroit Pistons, he'll probably be their first option, especially I'm uh, anticipating a Derrick Rose trade to happen. Uh, I don't really know what to expect at all out of Blake Griffin, especially coming off a year where he looked really bad and was dealing with some injuries. I don't even have him uh, on this list just because I just can't believe in him playing an entire season anymore. Uh, so I think Christian Wood, if he resigns with the D- Detroit Pistons, is really going to be their number one guy. And I think he could do some great things as the number one guy. Uh, when uh, Andre Drummond got traded and he played mostly center for them, he was incredible. Uh, it's a very small sample size, but he was averaging over 20 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, defensively, something that he's definitely not great at. Not a great rim protector uh, and definitely not uh, great on the perimeter. But we... Th- uh, saw him have signs with the Pelicans this previous season, uh, and then this season had just some really nice signs. And I think Christian Wood is in for a big season. Uh, depending on where he signs, he'd definitely be a most improved uh, player candidate for me. Definitely up there, and I like Christian Wood a ton. Uh, I'm expecting big things out of him. I just love his offensive game. I think he's going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer next season uh, if he resigns with the Pistons. And if he doesn't, and if he signs somewhere else, maybe a team like the uh, Phoenix Suns, he has said he's willing to sign like the mid-level exception. So I think a team could absolutely get a steal. Uh, and I think he could either be a big piece on a team that's contending for a playoffs or contending in the playoffs, or he could be a player who puts up big numbers on a Detroit Pistons team that's probably not going to be very good. Next honorable mention, we do have a player coming off a very bad season, but I still do believe in him. We got Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. Very, very weird season last year, as Draymond Green has always been someone who is a complimentary piece. He's never someone that you're just going to put on a team and that you're going to believe to be good, because that's just not his role at all. That's not his play style. And that's why I still have him on this list, because Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson will come back. Uh, The Warriors are going to be improved. I expect them to make some moves to try and get some win-now pieces, maybe move some of their younger guys on the roster, move some picks to get some players who can really help them uh, be a contender right now. And that's when Draymond Green is playing his best basketball, when he's engaged, and when he really has a purpose to win. 
because uh, this season it was just such a weird one for him. He averaged 8, 6-6, six, and six, which is still decent stats. And Draymond Green just in general isn't a stats guy anyway. Uh, it was more the efficiency that was pretty ugly this year. 39% from the field, about 28% from three. Three-point shot is something that's definitely uh, fallen off. He used to actually be a pretty decent three-point shooter back in, uh, what was that, 2016, the uh, year that they won 73 games. He was nearly 39% three-point shooter on 3.2 attempts, but that's definitely taking a, a dip for sure. Uh, but I still believe in Draymond Green to be an impactful player on winning basketball. Obviously, we know him uh, to be one of the better defenders in the league, especially at the power forward position. And he's a guy who has always turned it up in the playoffs. He's been uh, a very good playoff performer basically for his, his entire career. I believe if he didn't get suspended for that one game in the finals, that the Golden State Warriors would not have blown the 3-1 lead. Uh, he averaged, what is that, 13 points, 10 rebounds, and 8.5 assists in last year's playoffs. He was absolutely incredible. I remember the Portland Trailblazers series. He was arguably the best player. He was putting up triple-doubles in nearly every game. He had some crazy, like, 18-point, like, 12-rebound, 13 assists. He had some crazy games in the playoffs. He averaged a steal and a half, a block and a half. He was incredible last year in the playoffs. So I believe he can still uh, be that. He definitely has regressed. Uh, and that just comes with his age. He's becoming an older player for sure. Uh, he's going to be 30 coming into this season. But, yeah, I still believe Draymond Green to be an impactful player for winning, even though he's coming off a poor season. I think he'll be a lot better next season. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's a lot uh, closer to the top 10 or if he's even in the top 10 next season. It all just depends on uh, the season that he's going to have with his weapons back uh, to him. Next, we got Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon's a person who I think could definitely use a change of scenery. Uh, he's someone who is quite clearly a talented player. But it has had a weird fit with the Orlando Magic for years now, especially when they drafted Jonathan Isaac. Things will clear up as Jonathan Isaac is going to be out with a torn ACL uh, the next season. So maybe he can uh, fit more of the role and be better for them. But he's just always been in a weird position ever since they drafted Jonathan Isaac as he's been forced to play some small forward sometimes. And that's just absolutely not his position at all. The spacing hasn't been good on this team. But Aaron Gordon's a talented guy. Uh, he averaged about 14.5, 7.7 rebounds, uh, 3.7 assists on decent efficiency, nothing great. Uh, is a player who I would definitely like to see the three-point shot improve. His free-throw shooting could definitely take a step. But I just like the versatility that he brings, especially on the defensive end. He's a guy who can guard multiple positions. And is overall just really good on that end. Is a guy who can play make a little bit as well. Uh, and his offensive game is still pretty raw, but we all know how athletic he is. He's uh, a pretty strong player who can use that strength to get to the basket. Uh, like I said, I just need his shooting to improve. Uh, and I just want to see him on another team, to be completely honest, because I think a team like the San Antonio Spurs would be a perfect fit for him and would be somewhere where he could really be unlocked because uh, he could have more of a defined role and just have more of a purpose because a lot of times on the court, he just doesn't like seem like he's just impacting the game that much, uh, even though he obviously is a good defender. He's a good player overall. I just want to see him in a different change of scenery, and I think that could be something uh, that could really uh, help his career a lot. But where he is now, he's still a decent player, and yeah, just want to see him moved. But um, he's going to be good for this Magic team next year. I expect him to have a pretty good season.
Next, we got Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, coming off a pretty good season, actually. Uh, averaged about 17.5 points, about 10 rebounds, uh, 3 assists, 45% from the uh, field, 37% from 3, and 85% from the line. Overall, was very efficient. Uh, and he's another guy. Definitely want to see him move. Definitely want to see him be on a new team because with this uh, Cleveland Cavaliers team, he just has absolutely no purpose to uh, play basketball because this team has been terrible for these uh, past couple of years. They're going to continue to be bad. They're going to uh, continue to want to be in a tanking direction, and he's an older player on a big contract. Uh, I would just want to see him moved so badly because I think he can be so much more useful for another team that's winning uh, basketball, and they uh, need a stretch four that can really shoot the ball. He 37% on seven attempts a game. That's something he's consistently been able to do is uh, shoot the three ball very well throughout his entire career, basically. And ever since he got to Cleveland, especially, he's been shooting a lot higher of a volume, and he should continue to shoot a good percentage, good free throw shooter, uh, a guy who can really rebound the ball as well. Uh, even though he's not the biggest guy at uh, only 6'8", 250, he has just always been a good rebounder throughout his career, and he'll continue to do that. Uh, the d defensive side of the ball is something that I really just never think he's going to be good at. I never expect him to be good at because that's just not his game at all. Uh, he's not going to bring much outside of rebounding and scoring, but he does those two things really well, and I think he'd be very valuable for a team that's winning. Just absolutely do not want to see him on the Cavs because it's a complete waste of talent. Next, we got Robert Covington of the Houston Rockets coming off an excellent season for them. Uh wasn't great uh, in his time on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, was a little bit disappointed, to be completely honest. But uh, I think he came in and played some really good basketball for the Rockets. Uh, the statistics may not show it as much, but especially in the playoffs, he was massive for them in the playoffs. His three-point shooting was something that was just so uh, crucial to them. And then his defense is something that was massive. as uh, He was a lot of the times playing that center role even though uh, P.J. Tucker was another guy playing the center role. I think Robert Covington even played it a little bit more. He was a guy who uh, had a streak where he was blocking shots like crazy for this uh, team. He averaged 2.2 blocks as a Houston Rocket. Uh, and I just love what Robert Covington brings to the game. He's such a valuable player for any team he's going to be on. And he's that guy that any team is going to use, especially in this modern NBA. Uh, a 3 and D guy is just so useful. He's a guy who's a bit inconsistent as a shooter, uh, but when he's on, he's really on, and he's always going to be great as a defender. He really doesn't bring much uh, outside of that. Not a guy that's going to handle the ball, not a guy that's going to be a playmaker for you, but he is just a player who fits uh, his role perfectly, doesn't really go outside of himself, and is a really good player that I'd want uh, my team to trade for if I was a fan of literally any single team. Uh, he's on a very good contract as well. So overall, he's just a high-value player who plays good basketball, who plays winning basketball, and uh, who any team's going to want. I love Robert Covington. Uh, I think he's perfect for this Houston Rockets team, but I could also see him going to uh, many other contenders and being a massive, uh, playing a massive role in them uh, being a contender. He's just such a good player that I love, and he's my last honorable mention for the power forward position. At number 10, we got Tobias Harris coming off uh, a decent year, but just with the contract that he's on, it definitely was a little lackluster because uh, 
like statistically, he had a good season. 19.6 points, about 7 rebounds, 3.2 assists, 47% from the field, uh, 36.7% from three, 80 uh, 0.6% for the line. Like, he had a good season last year, but just with that huge of a contract, you want to see him be a more impactful player. And a lot of the times, it felt like when they needed a guy to step up when uh, Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons were dealing with injuries, he just re- uh, really didn't uh, step into that role and be that guy that they needed him to be. He's a guy who can definitely shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, he shot five threes a game and shot... Uh, about 37%. That's kind of just something that he's always been able to do is sh- uh, shoot the ball at a very good percentage on a pretty decent clip. He's a guy who is uh, pretty good in the mid-range area as well, can create his uh, own shot at a decent rate. Uh, we definitely saw that with the Clippers in uh, 2019. He was incredible for them uh, and was really killing it in the mid-range area. I definitely want to see him be better on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, he's not really... Uh, that much of a negative but he's far from a positive as well uh he's just i'd say uh, pretty average to maybe slightly below average on that side of the ball uh was definitely put in a weird position as as uh, sometimes he had to play small forward which is just not him at all uh he fits way more into the four role i think tobias harris is still a valuable player but uh with that contract i I think he's going to be stuck on the Sixers team, and I think overall he has a bit of a weird fit. He's one of those guys that I'd like mo- much more as a, a second option than a third option because even though he's a good shooter, he's not someone I just want to stand in the corner. I think his best role is when uh, he's being used as a guy who uh, is more of a ball handler, more of a shot creator. He was definitely massively disappointing in the playoffs. He was disappointing last year as well. Uh, last year, he only averaged 15.5. He averaged 15.8. Uh, did It was only in a four-game series, obviously, so it's not like it's a massive sample size. But he shot atrocious from the three, uh, shot 13% from the three, shot 38% from the field. Overall, he was really, really bad that series. Was a bit in a bit of a weird role as without Ben Simmons and with them having a massive lack of playmaking. He had to be forced to be a bit of a playmaker, which just isn't him at all. Uh, one game, he had like eight assists or something, and I'm like, that's cool, but like that's not Tobias Harris's game. And yeah, I just don't know how reliable he's going to be in the playoffs because like I said, uh, this isn't just a one-year thing. Last year, he was pretty bad in the playoffs as well. Only shot 35% from the three, 42.5% from the field. Uh, and when he's not scoring the ball, he's not that impactful. The only really other thing that he does is rebound, and he does rebound the ball pretty well. Uh, but yeah, Tobias Harris is just a decent player, but I wouldn't want him my team due to that contract. But overall, as a player, he is solid. That's why I have him at number 10. Uh, just want to see him be more consistent want to see him have a little bit more of an impact. Number nine, we got a guy coming off a great season. We got Danilo Gallinari, a player whose free agency is one of the most interesting ones as we uh, come into this next uh, season. He's a guy who said that he's made enough money so he's willing to take a cheaper contract to go to a contender. And if someone could get him uh, for cheap, then he could be a massive impact. If a team like the Los Angeles Lakers, who does have their mid-level exception, uh, if he's willing to do that, which I'm not sure... Uh, I don't know w- what exactly he means by uh, him being willing to get paid less money. That could be he's willing to take like a $15 million contract, or that could mean he's willing to take a mid-level exception. It's really all up to him. Uh, I w- wouldn't be surprised if he's a sign-and-trade player. 
Uh, he's just a very, very interesting guy coming into this free agency in a very weak uh, free agency, especially as far as star power. He's one of the better players uh, in this free agency, and I think he could be very impactful for a contender. One of the most efficient offensive players in the league, about 44% from the uh, from the field, 40.5% from three, and 89.3% from the line, is just so, so refined on the offensive side of the ball. Is a guy who is three-point shooting, has been very good throughout his career. He shot seven a game, 40%. That's just incredible. In the previous season, he shot five and a half on 43%. And whenever he's uh, healthy and uh, whatever team he's on, they're going to be good. He's just a guy who's super impactful. You can see whenever he's healthy and he's playing uh, a large majority of the games that the teams he's on are uh, – Teams that are playoff teams, teams that can really make good series. We saw with the Thunder, he was massively impactful for a team that was doubted a lot. A guy who uh, can shoot the mid-range ball very well. A guy who isn't a great playmaker, but uh, isn't a guy who is going to make dumb decisions. He always knows what he's doing out there. Uh, the free throw shooting is something he's always been incredibly efficient on. Uh, not a great rebounder at the four at all. And he's definitely not a very good defender as his... Uh, feet are pretty slow, and he's just not super athletic. But what he does on the offensive end uh, definitely outweighs uh, the negatives towards his game. And like I said, he's going to be super impactful if he's on a contending team. Uh, and he just makes winning basketball plays. I really like Danilo Gallinari, and I really like his game. Uh, next, we got Jaron Jackson Jr. He was someone who I argued a lot with the next person. Who is John Collins uh, for who's better? That's something I've seen on Twitter a bunch. And I think uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. does have a brighter future. But just talking about right now, I gave John Collins a slight edge. But talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. first, he's coming off a very, very good season uh, for this Memphis Grizzlies team. The thing that I feel is so underrated about Jaron Jackson Jr. is his ability to shoot the ball. Uh, everybody knows that he can shoot the ball, especially when you see him play your team. Um, but like he is one of the best big man shooters in the league, and it's... Uh, not even debatable at all. He shot six and a half threes, which is uh, up there as far as attempts in the league. It's probably uh, top 15. And he shot 39%. Even though his form is very awkward, he looks like a child when he's shooting because he kind of just chucks it up. It works. And he can really shoot the ball from uh, very deep. He's a guy who, even though he is a power forward, he uh, can handle the ball and he can score... Uh, the three off the dribble, which is something that's super impressive. And we saw in the bubble, it looked like he took his game to another level. Uh, I think he did tear a meniscus in his knee. I'm pretty sure that was the injury that he had, which did end the season, which was very sad to see. But when he was playing games in the bubble, he proved why he is this Memphis Grizzlies team's best player. John Morant may be the most exciting guy, uh, but at the end of the day, Jaron Jackson Jr. is their best player, and he's just such an impactful player on winning basketball. I love what Jaron Jackson Jr. brings. I always have been enamored with uh, big men who can shoot the ball, and he's someone, like I said, who can do it really well. And like I said, in the bubble, he was playing some excellent basketball, and we saw some things in Jaron Jackson Jr.'s game that we hadn't seen previously. Uh, we saw the ability of him handling the ball more, and we saw him uh, take bigs off the dribble a lot, which if he can keep doing that, especially when he's playing the center position and he has a slower defender on him. I vividly remember in a game against the Portland Trailblazers, multiple times he uh, took Yusuf Nurkic off the dribble and was able to get to the free throw line or dunk it 
And uh, if that's something he can continue to add to his game, that's just going to make him an even more versatile player on the offensive side of the ball. And then his defense is something that's very impressive. Uh, Fouling is definitely a big issue. in his rookie season, he averaged 3.8 a game, and this season he averaged 4 a game, which is absolutely something you do not want to see. Uh, but on the defensive side, when he's in the game, he's very versatile, a guy who can block shots incredibly well, a guy who, at his size, for him being about uh, 6'10", 6'11", 240 pounds, he can uh, really guard players on the perimeter. I've seen him multiple times stop uh, wings and guards that usually you'd think they'd be able to get uh, past a guy who's that big, but he's uh, really qu- uh, quick laterally, and then his length really helps him as he has a super long wingspan. I just love Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, definitely needs to improve as a rebounder, especially if he wants to play the center position more, which I think is what's going to maximize his game is him playing the center position. But uh, with him playing the four next to Jonas Valanciunas, I still think he's super uh, valuable and is a player who has a really high ceiling. I feel like his potential is honestly uh, pretty underrated as he could be one of the best defenders in the league while also being a ridiculous three-point shooter who can uh, take the ball off the dribble. His playmaking is something I'd like to see improve, and if he can improve that and his rebounding, he's going to be a nearly flawless player. I love Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, again, I argued heavily with putting him ahead of John Collins, but I gave him the slight edge. Next, talking about John Collins, he's another guy coming off a very good season. Uh, definitely, we saw his impact in the games he missed when uh, he was suspended for the 25 games. We saw the Hawks be absolutely atrocious, and at least when he was with this Hawks team and when he was uh, playing when he wasn't suspended, they were at least uh, better for sure. We saw his impact heavily in that, and he's a player who is uh, very, very good offensively. The defensive side of the ball is something that I worry about a little bit. He is a guy who can block shots pretty decently. He averaged 1.6 per game, but uh, with him being a guy who's basically a full-time four, as he hasn't shown enough ability to be a good enough defender to be uh, a full-time center, uh, he doesn't move laterally that great. He moves laterally decently, but it's nothing that I would put a ton of trust in uh, of him guarding on the perimeter. Uh, he's not very good in the pick and roll, and especially with Trey Young being on his team, he definitely has a bit of an awkward fit as you need to put uh, basically everyone around Trey Young uh, that can uh, play defense pretty well due to his limitations with his size and how much effort he has to put on the offside offensive side of the ball he's never going to be a great defender uh but at least with john collins he is an incredible offensive player who uh, has a lot of chemistry with trey young uh his three-point shooting is something that took a big leap this year still uh, doesn't shoot them a ton which is why he has a bit of an awkward fit at the four position he only shot 3.6 a game but he did shoot 40 percent so if he can continue to improve that volume to maybe like four and a half a game and he doesn't even have to shoot 40 percent because 40 percent is really impressive if he can shoot about 37 percent on four and a half a game uh, that'll be super valuable a guy who is super athletic great in transition uh, a great lob threat in the pick and roll he shot incredibly efficient from uh, two point shot 11.2 per game and shot uh, 64%. That's why his field goal percentage is so high, uh, 58%. A guy who can really rebound the ball as well. A very good offensive rebounder. He's uh, even in his rookie season where he only played 24 minutes a game. He's always been a guy who's averaged around two and a half offensive rebounds, which shows how good he is on that side of the ball. 
Uh, and I just uh, like John Collins, even though, like I said multiple times, his fit is a little bit weird with this Hawks team. He's still an incredibly efficient offensive player. So even if he's with the Hawks or if he's with another team, he's going to be a guy who's very valuable and uh, who a lot of teams are going to want if the Hawks feel as if he's like, expendable and just doesn't fit on their team well because man that efficiency is incredible three-point shot free throw shooting two-point shooting he's just such an efficient offensive player who's very athletic and still has room to grow especially if he can improve on the defensive side of the ball that's going to be something that's going to be massive for him next we got zion williamson obviously he did not play many games only played 24 games and was uh, definitely very disappointing in the bubble, but I am all in on Zion Williamson. Uh, he's a player who just has so much potential, and I do take potential uh, into this. I uh, take it very slightly, but I do take it into it. It's not where I think they're going to be in like five years. It's just where I think they're going to be next year, and I think next year Zion Williamson is going to have an incredible season. He's a guy who's already proven he can get to the free throw line at a ridiculous rate. I mean, he only played 28 minutes a game and got to the line 7.4 times. Definitely has to improve his efficiency uh, as a free throw shooter. Only shot 64%, but if he can continue to get to the line that much, which I definitely think he will, I wouldn't even be surprised if he had Average like nine free throws a game and if he's getting uh let's even say he shoots 66 percent on nine free throws a game that's what 6.6 points per game just from free throws that's very good uh he's a guy who even though he only averaged 2.1 assist and i don't think he's ever gonna be a super high assist guy he is a high iq passer uh, who makes the right plays uh and i really like him as a passer for sure uh just super smart on that side of the ball uh, his rebounding is something that's very good. Uh, defensively, I'd honestly like to see him get a lot more rebounds. As sometimes he didn't uh, be as aggressive as I'd want him to be on the defensive glass. But on the offensive glass, especially when he's missing his own shots and he's getting putbacks, that's something he's uh, incredible at. We saw it in, I think it was a game against the Warriors. He got, uh, he missed a free throw, got the rebound, uh, missed a layup. Uh, got the rebound, made a bucket, and won. That's just a Zion type of thing to do. Uh, he's a guy who we all know how athletic he is. He's just ridiculous and generational as an as an athlete. Something, someone who, even though he looked way overweight in the bubble, he was still jumping out of the gym when he looked like he was like twenty five pounds more than he should be, which just shows how impressive he uh, he can be as uh, an athlete. Uh, he's someone who the thing I want to see him improve the most on though is his uh, defensive awareness he obviously has the potential to be a great defender is a guy who can sometimes make highlight blocks that are just ridiculous when he's jumping up so high and he's swatting it into into the crowd and that may fool a lot of players who uh, may fool a lot of people who aren't closely watching Zion Williams to Williamson to thinking he's a great defender but he's definitely not at this point in in his career his defensive awareness like I said is the thing he needs to improve uh, the most on a lot of the times he looked lost out there on the defensive side of the ball uh, wasn't rotating towards the right places uh, and just like I said he seemed lost which uh, defense obviously uh, physical attributes matter and that's something that he already has down with him being so strong with him having decent height and him being so athletic uh, but it's also a lot about uh, the IQ and that's something he needs to work on a ton uh, he needs to just watch more film and that's also something that just comes with a, 
a learning curve for sure. It's just learning uh, where where and when to rotate, especially when he's uh, been a guy who, uh, again, only played 24 games. I didn't expect him in such a limited time to be a great defender, and that's why I have him so high because I think he's going to step up on that side of the ball, and I think he's already ridiculous on the offensive end with room to get better, had an incredible rookie season. Uh, average 22 and a half points like that's ridiculous playmaking good rebounding good just need to see him become a more uh, efficient free throw shooter and then more aware on the defensive side of the ball uh, the three-point shot is something that he's not good at he did shoot 43 percent but that is uh, very deceiving with him only shooting 0.6 uh, per game so uh, he can obviously improve on that but i'm not really uh, banking on that i never expect him to be a great uh, three-point shooter but if he can prove the other aspects of his game that are weak he's going to be incredible next season I expect him to be like a 25 point per game score Zion Williamson is ridiculous uh, next we got someone coming off an excellent season did end up missing out on the bubble as he had a foot injury but DeMontis Savonis was phenomenal for this pace the Pacers this season I uh, averaged 18 and a half points 12.4 rebounds and five assists 54 percent from the field uh, definitely not a very good three-point shooter, only 25%, and shot decent at the line, 72.3%. Uh, but his offensive game is just incredible. Uh, his post ability is something that is really a standout, as he's one of the best post players in the entire league, to be completely honest. He is just ridiculous down there and is very hard to guard. And the thing that makes him so hard to guard in the post is his ability to pass out of the post. Uh, he averaged five assists a game. He really became one of the best uh, passing big men in the entire league uh, th uh, this season. Was the guy who showed a lot of potential as a passer with him playing much more limited minutes and still averaging a decent amount of assists. But we saw it fully unlocked this season, uh, and it was something that definitely helped the Pacers' offense. His ability to pass at the elbow uh, is just incredible, and it's something that helped him a lot. Uh, just made that offense so more, much more dynamic because you had to worry about him in the post because he was so good in the post. Uh, and then you had to worry about cutters uh, and him making the pass to them. His offense, like I said, is just so good. Is a guy who isn't a very good uh, three-point shooter but uh, is a pretty decent mid-range shooter. So he can uh, work in the pick and pop, but he just can't really pop out to, th to the three. Uh, would like to see him become better as a three-point shooter. He's really just never shot a very uh, high amount and has never shot a good percentage on them. Uh, his best percentage is when he only shot .2 a game. And, I mean, he made 53% of them, but it's .2 a game, so it's basically no sample size. Uh, his rebounding is something that's also incredible. He's such a good rebounder. He's a guy who you can basically guarantee that he's going to get a double-double. He got a double-double in a majority of the games. Uh, he's a guy who can uh, rebound the ball on the offensive glass very well. Great to uh, rebound on the defensive glass. Overall, his rebounding is just so, so good. I just love what he brings on the offensive side of the ball. Defense is something that I don't really think he's ever going to be good at, especially when he's playing the four position. Uh, and he has to guard quicker players. That's something he's probably always going to struggle with. Uh, but his offense is just so good that I had to give him uh, this spot. He definitely deserves to be the number five power forward in the league. Could see guys like Jaron Jackson, John Collins, Zion Williamson potentially leaping above him. Uh, but that doesn't mean he's a bad player at all. He's very, very good. Hope he comes back from that foot injury. As the foot injury that he did get is something that has 
uh, derailed some players' careers uh, previously, but a lot of those guys uh, were a long time ago, so hopefully he's getting the proper treatment and he's going to come back and have a good season, which I completely expect out of him. Next, at number four, we got Pascal Siakam. Uh, coming off a very good regular season and an incredibly disappointing playoffs. In the regular season, averaged about 23 points, uh, 7.3 rebounds, 3.5 assists on 45% from the field, 36% from three, about 79% from the line. Uh, Pascal Siakam is someone who, during the whole season, I thought was pretty overrated. Uh, I feel like people weren't talking nearly enough about how much he dropped off from uh, the first couple months of the season i do remember that first month of the season he was ridiculous uh he had uh, like a 50 point game nearly to start the season he averaged like 27 or 28 points in the first month and we were all like yo is he gonna win uh, most improved player twice in a row but he definitely cooled down a ton uh kyle lowry proved that he was the best player on the team uh, and we saw that cooldown continue in the bubble. He was atrocious in the bubble, especially in that Celtic series. We saw his lack of a very deep offensive skill set uh, really be a big detriment to him. He shot under 40%, shot about 19% from three, only averaged 17 points. He was just very, very bad in that series. Everyone was joking about how his only move is a spin move. And like I said, that's something that got exposed is that he cannot be a number one option uh, with his lack of of ability to handle the ball uh, great. He definitely improved on it a ton, and I expect him to keep improving because he's a guy who's uh, shown throughout his career he works very hard. Uh, but for now, uh, I just can't rely on him at all to be the number one option. And these next three guys, I can rely on to be the number one option. I think he's still going to have a good uh, regular season next year. But the playoffs is where he really needs to uh, prove that he can be that guy. Uh, and if he has another disappointing playoffs, then we're going to have to start questioning Pascal Siakam because he's a guy, he's on a max contract. Uh, he has a lot of expectations coming to him. So he simply has to play some better basketball, but is a guy who uh, did improve uh, and will continue to improve. Three-point shot is something that improved a ton. Like I said, only shot about 19% uh, in the playoffs and was really bad in the seeding games as well. But he did shoot about 36% on six attempts a game, so that's something he took a step on. His shot-creating ability is something that got exposed in the playoffs but is improved from the previous season. He's a pretty decent playmaker and is a guy who puts a lot of effort on the defensive side of the ball and is very good on that end. So I still believe Pascal Siakam uh, is going to improve and is going to become better. But these three guys, I would easily have better. And he'd pro Pascal would probably be around the 25-ish range for me as far as players in the league. You're going to see once I bring my top 50 players that I have them maybe a little bit lower than other people would, but I just... I'm not a big believer in Pascal and just think he's a little overrated. Next, we got a guy coming off an excellent season for my Boston Celtics. We got Jason Tatum. He was absolutely incredible this previous season. Uh, averaged 23.4 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 45% from the field, 40% from 3 and 80, uh, 1.0. Uh, 0.2% from the line just was a ridiculously efficient offensive player after a super disappointing season where overall the Celtics were just a bit of a mess. Uh, he was great this season. He had that crazy stretch of games where he averaged over 30 points. Uh, I think that was 
it was like a 10 game stretch. He had that crazy game against the Clippers, where it was a double overtime win. He had the game against the Lakers, where they nearly won without Kemba Walker. They only lost by like one point. Uh, he had the game against the Trailblazers where he scored like 35. He was incredible and proved he could be a number one option, which uh, I think he continued to improve. Uh, imp- he continued to prove that in the playoffs. He did uh, have some disappointing moments where he'd want him to be a bit more of a closer, but overall, he still had a very good uh, playoffs. I feel like he gets criticized way too much. Uh, when he's a guy who averaged 25.7 points on pretty good efficiency, uh, 37% from three, uh, he averaged 10 rebounds, and then the playmaking is something that took a massive step. It's something that showed signs in the regular season, but was never really a consistent thing. But in the playoffs, he proved that he could be a real playmaker, which is the thing I wanted to see him improve on the most. Because other than other than uh, the playmaking, he basically had everything else down. Uh, very good on the offensive side of the ball, just super polished, a guy who can uh, handle the ball. He proved he can hit those sidestep threes, which is something that was uh, a big addition to his game and is something that made him a way better offensive player. He already proved he could attack the basket in previous seasons. He proved that he was a good catch and uh, shoot three-point shooter. He, we obviously know he can get to the mid-range. He's a very good rebounder as well. And his defense, something that goes super under the radar, is uh, something that he's very good at is a guy who I believe uh, could have uh, very well been in the conversation for an all-defense second team, and I may have had him. Uh, as all-defense second team, there's a lot of good uh, defensive wings, so I don't exactly know, but he definitely should have been in the conversation as he's incredible on that side of the ball as a guy who uh, I've heard people say this, and some people were like acting like they didn't understand what it meant but he's a defensive playmaker he's a guy who uh when he's especially when he's fully locked in with his really good wingspan and how athletic he is he can be a one-man show on the defensive side of the ball where he can uh, have multiple plays where he just uh, gets steals and gets out in fast break uh he's a guy who can get blocks as well uh we I saw in a game against the Bulls, I think it was, it was just a random regular season game against the Bulls where he basically single-handedly on like on like six possessions in a row just completely locked up his man and either he got a steal or he forced a turnover or he forced a bad shot. And these were on players like, like Zach Levine. He, he's an incredible defender, something that goes super underrated. I think he's in for a massive season next year. I'd predict him to average about what he did in the playoffs on probably even better efficiency i expect him to be a guy who averages about 25 points about eight rebounds maybe five to five and a half assists a steal and a block uh, on pretty good efficiency he's going to be a guy who shoots threes a lot he's going to hit those step back threes those sidestep threes and i think he's truly an elite offensive player who's a number one option and he's a top 15 player in the league jason tatum was incredible this previous season and uh it's nothing but up from here for him Number two, we have Anthony Davis. Now, I was incredibly, and I mean incredibly close to putting him number one. Uh, it was something that I've gone back and forth on a ton, but I had to give Giannis the very slight edge. If Giannis disappoints again in the playoffs, then Anthony Davis is the best power forward. Uh, but I gave Anthony Davis that number two spot. He was very good in the regular season. 
I averaged about 26, 9 and 3, uh, 50% from the field, 33% from three, about 85% from the line. Is obviously an incredible defender. Uh, has been one of the be- best defenders basically since he's entered the league. Is a guy who you can always rely on to average uh, about two to two and a half blocks. A guy who's always going to average about a steal and a half. He's just incredible on that side of the ball. I do think Giannis deserved Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, but I would expect Anthony Davis to get it this next season because Anthony Davis had a very good argument uh, for that, and we can see that he is one of the most truly special big men that we've ever seen touch an NBA floor. He's a guy who is ridiculous on the offensive side of the ball, who uh, whose mid-range is very, very good and is just uh, super effective. We saw, especially in that Rocket series, he was unstoppable from the mid-range he was hitting ridiculous shots uh he's a guy who's incredible in the post that's something that his game is just super refined and that he's so so good at his three-point shot is something that's coming along and that he's improving at uh we saw uh him have a streak of him being a pretty good three-point shooter i think he was a pretty good three-point shooter as well in the playoffs uh he yeah i mean he had he averaged uh, 2.9 attempts per game and shot 38%. That's very good. So if he can continue to pr- improve as a three-point shooter, which I expect him to, he basically has a flawless offensive game as he's also a good playmaker uh, and his rebounding is very good. Uh, his shot blocking, very impressive. And then the most impressive thing for me, honestly, on the defensive side of the ball is his ability to guard the perimeter with how good of an interior defender he is as well. His perimeter defense is very good. We saw uh, in the finals him step up and him guard Jimmy Butler on a lot of possessions. And even though Jimmy Butler sometimes scored, uh, he was still playing very good defense on Jimmy Butler. Sometimes uh, uh, better offense is just going to be good defense. And he was playing great defense on Jimmy Butler. Uh, he was playing very good defense on Bam at a bio as well. Uh, just overall, Anthony Davis is an incredible generational talent. Uh, one thing that did annoy me is when people were comparing him to Tim Duncan. Stop doing that. It's not a comparison at all. But Anthony Davis is going to go down as one of the greatest power forwards of all time. He's a player who reminds me a lot of one of my favorite players ever, Kevin Garnett. And Kevin Garnett is one of the 20 greatest players to ever play the game of basketball. So if Anthony Davis uh, can continue uh, to win, which I think he's definitely going to on this Los Angeles Lakers team, uh, I think uh, they're the team that I would have that's going to win the championship next season. And I think, honestly, they may have a dynasty because Anthony Davis and LeBron is such an incredible duo. Anthony Davis is a player who is... Uh, very arguably a top five player in the league. He's just incredible. Uh, the player I do have ahead of him, and again, I like I said, this is a very, very slight one, and if Giannis disappoints again in the playoffs, I absolutely can't. But I gave Giannis Antetokounmpo the slight edge. He averaged 29.5 points, 13.6 rebounds, 5.6 assists on 55% from the field, 30% from three, and about 63.3% from the line uh, in only 30 minutes, which is by far the most impressive part. Uh, I think he had like the least minutes ever in an MVP season, or it was something close to that. Uh, he was just incredible this uh, previous season. Uh, definitely had a disappointing playoffs as it. If we look at his playoff stats, uh, he was good, and uh, it actually almost reflects his regular season stats, 
but it's more that Miami series. He was so disappointing in that Miami series. He obviously dominated against a bad uh, Orlando Magic team, and that definitely inflated his stats. But against the Miami, he he was incredibly disappointing. Uh, that wall affected him a ton. Uh, and I thought after we saw it last season affect him, I thought it was going to be something that wasn't going to affect him this year. I thought he was going to improve on it, and I thought it, uh, he was going to change his game up so it wouldn't be like that anymore. Uh, but nope, we saw Bam out of bio play some ridiculous defense on Giannis, and we still saw him heavily be affected by the wall. Um, and I just simply have to see him uh, play better in the the games where it matters the most i also need to see him play more minutes mike boonholzer has to play him more uh his three-point shooting is something that he's continuing to work on and i expect him to be around a 33 point uh percent shooter which obviously isn't great but it for how dominant he is uh inside is pretty decent and the most concerning thing honest honestly uh, for his offense, because three-point shot is something that's going to come and go, and him even having that as a threat, honestly, is good enough. It's more the free-throw shooting. His free-throw shooting has fell off a ton. Uh, in the playoffs, we saw him shoot 58%. He had some games where he just shot atrocious from the free-throw line, uh, and teams were ha- happy putting him uh, at that line, so he's definitely got to improve on that. But he's someone who, throughout his career, has proven to be an extremely hard worker. So I expect him to continue to improve on the parts of his game that he lacks. Uh, I would like to see him become a better shot creator. That may just be something that he's uh, never great at. But uh, that would be something that would help him a ton in the playoffs. As that is one of his issues, is his uh, lack of ability to create his own shot. Because a lot of the times, the only thing he could do... Uh, is just go downhill, and then when there's that wall built and uh, when there's such athletic defenders like teams like the Miami Heat have, then it makes it tough on him. And that's a very spe- special circumstance to be able to build the wall that can stop Giannis. But teams that can do that, uh, he needs to f- find a way to go around that. Uh, and he just hasn't gotten over that hump in his career, but obviously Giannis is still an incredible player. Uh, one defensive player of the year had a, a ridiculous defensive season, uh, is an insane rebounder, averaged 13.6 rebounds per game. Uh, his playmaking is uh, pretty decent. Would like to see him uh, maybe cut down on the turnovers a little bit as he averaged 3.7 a game. But with him being such a high usage player, you kind of just expect that. And yeah, he's coming off a great season, MVP, defensive player of the year. Just need to see him play better in the playoffs. And if uh, he doesn't play better in the playoffs, then he's going to be moved down, simply enough. So yeah, that was my top 10 power forwards in the league. Uh, I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back to discuss some NBA news.
Jump it. Boop. Like it can. Okay, I am back to talk some MBA news. I'm sorry, I think I unpaused the recording for a little bit, so there may be a bit of a uh, time where there's a bit of empty space. I'm really sorry for that, but I'm going to continue the recording. Uh, hopefully that wasn't too long, my bad. Uh, first, I want to talk about something that uh, is very interesting that just recently happened. Uh, we're going to talk uh, about the Brooklyn Nets. They have hired... Mike D'Antoni as an assistant coach uh, under Steve Nast. They also hired uh, Imei Yudoka, I think that's how you say it, as another assistant. And this team is very, very interesting going into this next season. Uh, they're by far, in my opinion, the most interesting team and the most confusing team uh, going into this next year. Uh, they are a team that I have no clue what to think about because I think they could completely fall apart and could be a disaster, or they could be a team that could win the finals, uh, or they could just be an average team. It really all depends on the health of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, which is something that I am very unsure about. As Kyrie Irving has had a long history of knee injuries. He had the shoulder injury last year. And it's not really a thing about him coming back from the injuries because he's always come back from injuries and been fine uh, and been uh, the Kyrie Irving that we expect. It's way more about uh, him getting injured again, especially at a, a bad time. We saw him get injured uh, for the entire playoffs for the Boston Celtics, uh, which derailed them from having a potential finals run. We saw uh, him just get hurt so many times. We saw him get hurt in the 2000, uh, well, I think it was game two of the 2015 finals, uh, which is a big reason why the Cavaliers ended up losing that series. Uh, we saw Kevin Durant have that uh, Achilles tear, which even though he's a guy who relies a lot more on skill than athleticism, an Achilles tear is still going to hurt him a lot as there's only been one person in NBA history who's like a star to superstar player who has ever just come back from an Achilles injury like nothing really happened. And that was Dominique Wilkins, but he's much more of an anomaly uh, than the rule. He came back and was basically the same guy, even though he was a guy who relied on athleticism a lot, and he was like 32 years old. That is such a rare case, so I definitely expect Kevin Durant to take a bit of a dip uh, I expect Kyrie Irving to be incredible, but I'm worried about him getting injured. Um, and then they have guys uh, on their team that do complement these guys well. Spencer Dinwiddie, a very solid combo guard who can play both on and off the ball, uh, is a guy who, if uh, Kyrie Irving does end up getting injured, is uh, very good as just an insert insurance policy. Uh, Jared Allen's a very solid center who, even though he doesn't, uh, do anything super special. He's a guy who uh, plays good defense, uh, is a good shot blocker, can rebound the ball, and can catch lobs, sets good screens, just does all the basic center things. They have a uh, center in DeAndre Jordan who's very similar, uh, but he's uh, just a older and less athletic, so he's definitely worse than Jared Allen, but he can be a solid backup. Uh, Karis LeVert is a guy who I would not at all be surprised if he does end up getting traded because even though he's a talented player, I just don't think he really fits. Uh, this team, as he's not a very good catch-and-shoot uh, three-point shooter, but he is a guy who can create his own shot, uh, is a very good scorer, and is a, 
a person that a lot of other teams will value for sure. Uh, I'll be interested to see what happens with Karis Liver. I think uh, other than health, chemistry, uh, and the coaching, I think that'll be the most interesting thing is what they can get in trade for Karis Levert. We've heard the rumors of them potentially getting Drew Holiday, which I think would be an excellent fit for them as uh, defensively, that's something that worries me a lot as uh, their best perimeter defender right now is Kevin Durant coming off an Achilles injury. Kyrie Irving's a very poor defender. Uh, Joe Harris, who they definitely need to re-sign as he's an incredible three-point shooter, one of the best in the league, uh, has been so good for this Nets team these past couple of years, even though he's so good as a three-point shooter. Uh, his defense isn't very good as well. He's not terrible, but he's not great. Uh, definitely do have good rim protection, but the perimeter defense is very worrying. And if they could get Drew Holiday, who so many players uh, have said is one of the best, if not the best defender in the entire league, if they could get him, I think that'd be a massive pickup for them. Uh, I think if they could get an athletic four who can play defense and can also stretch the floor, that would definitely be very useful. Uh, I don't think they'd be able to do this because they don't really have cap space, but uh, a guy who fits in the mold like a Jeremy Grant type player I think would be massive for them. Uh, I thought they could have had something like that in Torian Prince, but Torian Prince is coming off a very disappointing season where he was pretty bad on the offensive side of the ball, and he's something, uh, well, he's someone who I could definitely be seeing uh, traded as well. And this team overall is just so interesting now. They have Steve Nash, who's uh, never been a head coach, but they have a stacked uh line of assistance behind him so I don't think he's gonna have to be this incredible coach because they have a lot of people who are very experienced in the game Mike D'Antoni was Steve Nash's coach which is just the weirdest thing now that Steve Nash was uh, coached under Mike D'Antoni and now Mike D'Antoni's his assistant uh, they have Jock Vaughn who proved that he could be a pretty good head coach uh, he's the top uh, Nets assistant and I think that's very good for them uh, Ami uh, Yudoka has been a guy who's been around the league for a long time. He's been under Greg Popovich. Uh, he was with the 76ers this previous season. Uh, I think he's going to be another nice assistant for them. So they have all the pieces. It's just really about health and chemistry. Uh, as The chemistry is definitely something that I could see uh, this completely blowing up. And I could see both of these guys getting injured and it just being a mess. Uh, but on the optimistic side... Kevin Durant is one of the most talented players we've ever seen play the game of basketball, and there's absolutely no argument against that. Kyrie Irving is one of the most offensively talented players that we've seen as well. With his ability to handle the ball, his ability to shoot from everywhere, his ability to finish at the basket uh, like crazy, uh, they have uh, role players on this team who can fit alongside uh, these two stars very well they have uh players like harris lavert who definitely can have some trade value even a guy uh a younger guy like uh rodney Kuruks or maybe dijon uh, musa maybe could have some value to another team they have guys who can shoot the ball and joe harris uh timothy luaru uh cabaret they have him uh under contract and i think that's great for them as he looked great in the bubble he was uh Basically, their second option behind uh, Karis Laverne, he played some very good basketball. They have a young guy like Nicholas Claxton, who uh, I think can be very solid, so maybe they end up trading him. Uh, they have a lot of things to be happy about and to look forward to on this team. And overall, they're just the biggest mystery in the NBA for me. I could see this completely blowing up in their face, and I could also see it being phenomenal. I could see this very high up-tempo offense 
basically playing like the seven seconds or less offense. Uh, Phoenix Suns with two incredibly offensively talented players uh, and then very good role players around them with them potentially making a trade for a third star. I could see that being uh, perfect. I could see them being a team that could honestly be a team like the Los Angeles Lakers. They are that talented, but I could also see this completely blowing up in their face uh, and everybody laughing at them for being a massive disappointment. Uh, it's really just a wait and see thing at this point. Uh, I hope the best for them. Uh, I hope that Kevin Durant is healthy. I hope that Kyrie Irving is healthy because at the end of the day, uh, even though I'm a Celtics fan and the Celtics are going to have to compete against us, uh, Nets team at the end of the day I want to see good basketball and those uh, watching those guys is watching very good entertaining basketball so yeah I'm very interested to see how good the Nets can be uh, they're a team that has a super high ceiling but also has a pretty low floor and uh, we're just gonna have to wait and see I think they're the most interesting team by far going into this next season next I want to talk about Daryl Morey joining the 76ers at as the head of basketball operations. This is a very, very interesting thing to happen. Uh, as Daryl Morey is someone who, even though he gets a lot of criticism, I feel like a lot of people uh, don't really understand the full context of how good Daryl Morey is uh, as a head coach. Um, not as a head coach, uh, as a front office guy. He has consistently made this uh, Houston Rockets team a playoff team ever since the James Harden trade they've been the only team who didn't make the playoffs ever since that uh, trade happened they've been the only team in the entire league to make the playoffs every single year since James Harden trade happened that is very very impressive stuff from them uh, and he's one of those guys who is willing to make very radical moves uh, and it, those can sometimes blow up in their face. We saw the small ball with uh, Russell Westbrook and James Harden be a massive disappointment where they barely uh, snuck past the Thunder and then got demolished by the Lakers. But we've also seen it work with him uh, pulling off and orchestrating a crazy uh, sign-and-trade for Chris Paul uh, when a lot of people were uh, doubting heavily that James Harden and Chris Paul could work. We saw that work out. We saw them make a conference finals, and they would have beaten uh, arguably the greatest team of all time in the Golden State Warriors if uh, Chris Paul didn't get injured. you got to give Daryl Morey a ton of credit for orchestrating a team that nearly did that. They were one of the only teams to go all in when the Warriors were still at their best because so many people uh, would stay competitive but not really try uh, and build as good of a roster as they could because they knew that most likely the Warriors would beat them. But I loved that Daryl Morey was uh, basically the only guy to do that. I love that he is such uh, an out-there guy with his decisions, and he's very bold. And like I said, that can work out bad, but it can also work out very well. And I think the Sixers do need some drastic change. They made some terrible mistakes in this previous uh, summer where they signed Al Horford to a massive contract that he uh, just didn't deserve, especially with him being at the age he's at and with them wanting him to be a power forward, which just isn't his role at all. He's a center. And then Tobias Harris was signed to an, a massive contract as well, uh, where he's a good player, but that contract is just not worth it. But uh, I think Daryl Morey can fix some of these things. As At the end of the day, they do have two just ridiculously generational talented players in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Ben Simmons is a guy who we saw on the defensive side of the ball be basically the most versatile guy in the league. 
uh, and just be incredible on that. And we saw we've seen Joel Embiid be uh, the best post scorer in the entire league, a guy who is a great defender. Uh, and who has tried to expand his game to shoot threes, and even though he's not good at them, at least he's been willing to take them. Uh, So we know this team is talented, but it's about them making moves that they can fit the team better because that's the by far the biggest issue about the 76ers team is fit, and fit is very, very important. Uh, You can have all the talent in the world, but if they don't fit, then it's just not going to matter. That's a very underrated thing about a team like the Golden State Warriors. The Golden State Warriors were obviously more talented than every other team, and that obviously helped them a ton, but they fit seamlessly. This 76ers team should have been way better than they were, but they just didn't fit at all, and hopefully Daryl Morey can make some moves. Uh, We've seen the idea of Buddy Heald being traded to them, but honestly, I think that's just a lot of Sixers fans who want to fleece the Kings because Buddy Heald would fit their team perfectly. I don't know if that would happen uh, because I don't think uh, Buddy Heald's value is that low. I think they could get more than Al Horford and some picks for Buddy Heald. But if that trade is on the table, you take that immediately and and run with it because that's a phenomenal trade where you can get a guy who can really fit... Uh, the team they have multiple second round picks and a first round pick in the in a draft that even though is not a star heavy at all is pretty deep and has a lot of role players that can be very good for them a guy like isaiah joe would be perfect a guy who can uh, come off the bench and really score the ball uh can just be in a super aggressive shot taker a guy like jamius ramsey uh, can play a very similar role emmanuel quickly could come in uh maybe they could get him in the second round i think that'd be a great uh, pick for them maybe they tr- try and trade up for a guy like Tyrell Terry whose stock is rising and would be a beautiful fit with them they could do a lot of things in this draft they could do a lot of things in the offseason and I think Daryl Morey is going to be uh, a help to them they signed uh, a lot of nice uh, assistance on the staff for Doc Rivers I really don't know what to feel about Doc Rivers he's had some very good moments and some very bad moments uh, but overall I like the signing of Daryl Morey I don't think uh, he's going to try and make this a small ball team. Everybody's joking, and at least I hope they're jokes, that like he's going to trade Joel Embiid. Even I, like the second I saw this, I tweeted out, like, bye-bye, Joel. And obviously, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to keep these two guys for as long as he can, even though at, I think at some point, one of the two are going to have to be moved away from each other. But you got to give it as many chances as you can because these guys are just too talented Uh, not to give as many chances as possible and they can make it work we saw them nearly beat the champions in the raptors they were so so close and obviously they had jimmy butler on that team that team was a lot better Uh, but those two played a big part in that series we saw uh, as a rookie ben simmons be the reason they made the playoffs these guys are so talented and the 76ers team is very talented so i think uh, this is a good move to pick up daryl morey a guy who's been in Uh, around the league for a very long time uh, and a guy who just uh, knows what he's doing for the most part at least uh, and is willing to make radical moves and is uh, gonna help this team Uh, Elton Brand made some terrible decisions and Daryl Morey's gonna have to help uh, try and fix some of those decisions Next, I want to quickly talk about uh, the Houston Rockets. They signed uh, Dallas Mavericks assistant uh, Stefan Silas as their next coach. And this is definitely an interesting move as I was expecting uh, them to get a more solidified guy for their team. But I do like this move. He's a guy who's been around the league for a good amount of time, as his father was uh, an NBA player. 
which is pretty interesting. And so he's grown up around basketball, uh, and he's been a good assistant for the Dallas Mavericks. The Dallas Mavericks were a team that had an incredible offense in the previous season. Uh, They had the best offense of all time as far as offensive rating, uh, and they played a very similar style of basketball uh, to this Houston Rockets team. They're a team that played very high tempo, shot a ton of threes, and had a heavy isolation guard who plays very similar to James Harden in Luka Doncic. Uh, He's been, like I said, he's been around the league for a long time. He's uh, coached uh, assistantly, at least for the Mavericks. He's coached Uh, for the Hornets, the Warriors, and now he's going to be the head coach of the Houston Rockets with an offense with two extremely dynamic guards. Uh, He's already experienced coaching great guards like Luka, uh, Kemba Walker, Stephen Curry, and I just like this move overall. Obviously, he uh, doesn't have any history as a head coach, so that's always something that's going to be a little bit uncertain is how uh, good is someone going to be who's never been an NBA head coach, especially because head coaching is a lot about leadership uh, and is a lot about just managing egos, which is something we I have no clue how good he's going to be at. Uh, but as if the Houston Rockets were sold on his ability as an offensive coach uh, and his experience in the league already uh, with him uh, being on multiple very good teams, then I think he's going to be a good coach for them. Uh, honestly, the more important thing for the Houston Rockets team uh, is just the personnel, to be honest. Uh, they have very talented players in Russell Westbrook and James Harden. They have some great role players like Robert Covington, but I would love to see them get an actual center, even a guy like Aaron Baines who can space the floor and can shoot threes uh, still at that center position. I think that can help, and I think they're going to have an extremely high-powered offense playing a very similar style uh, to the Mavericks, just super high-paced, uh, heavy isolation guard, and a lot of threes are going to be taken. Um Honestly, I think we're probably going to see more of the same. Uh, We're just probably not going to see the small ball anymore, but still a similar uh, Houston Rockets that we've seen in previous years. So I like this move. Uh, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to change them completely, but it's uh, a good move for this team. Next, I want to talk about Thursday night football, Carolina Panthers versus Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons finally did not blow a lead in this one. Uh, they just played overall some pretty decent football in this one. Matt Ryan had a good game. Did have an interception, but 21 for 30, 281 yards. Uh, had a, a rushing touchdown. Uh, he had 27 rushing yards as well. Overall, just very efficient. He went to Julio Jones a lot, and Julio Jones completely dominated in this one. He's just so ridiculous. His uh, a mix of route running uh, and his physicality is something that's just completely unfair for anybody who has to guard him. Uh, we saw him break uh, a cornerback's ankles and made him fall. He's just so incredible. He had seven receptions for 137 yards. Julio Jones is one of the best players uh, in NFL history and definitely up there as far as receivers. So we got to appreciate him while he's here because he's so, so talented. Uh, Hayden Hurst had a good game. He's been a pretty good pickup for this Falcons team. He had five receptions for 54 yards. Calvin Ridley uh, was a little bit disappointing. Uh, only had 42 yards after him being so great for this entire season. And then the running game wasn't great. Uh, Todd Gurley definitely didn't have a good game. Well, uh, 18 carries for only 46 yards. Did have a touchdown, and Brian Hill uh, came in and played some uh, good football. Had 11 carries for 55 yards. Uh, they did have an interception as well. 
uh, and made some timely plays on the defensive side of the ball. Deion Jones had a good game, had two tackles for loss and a sack. Isaiah Oliver had a sack. Dante Fowler Jr. had a sack. And overall, they just played pretty decent football. They beat a, a team in the Carolina Panthers that uh, had competed against multiple good teams, was very close to uh, winning the game against the Saints. So that's definitely a good look for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater had a decent game, uh, nothing special, and a lot of people were giving him a ton of criticism, but I just don't really think it was his fault. Uh, he had 15, uh, 15 for 23, 176 yards, a touchdown and interception. Not a special game at all, and it wasn't uh, anything great, but he was decent. Uh, did uh, not really come up when they needed him the most uh, and needed him for a first down on uh, I think it was like a fourth and two or a fourth and one, but he was still uh, decent this game. Mike Davis has been honestly really good for this Panthers team uh, with them losing Christian McCaffrey uh, for multiple weeks. Now he's just come in and played some good football. He had 13 carries for 66 yards. Curtis Samuel uh, had a touchdown uh, on the ground when they went uh, wildcat. That was exciting to see. DJ Moore continues to be like the weirdest player in the NFL because he either goes off or he's just... Uh, not much of a factor. He had two receptions for 55 yards. Uh, Robbie Anderson continues to be a good pickup uh, for this team. He had five receptions for 48 yards. Curtis Samuel uh, also had a receiving touchdown. Overall, just had a pretty good game. Dante Jackson had an interception. Uh, and, I mean, they played some decent football. It was nothing special, but they stayed uh, in it with a team that should be good, at least. Obviously, they were pretty bad before. They were 1-6. and six. They blew multiple leads. Uh, but they're still a team that has talent on the offensive side of the ball. And, yeah, it's, this Panthers team is nothing great, but they're not uh, bad by any means either. They're just a decent football team who is probably going to be like 6-10, 5-11, 7-9, somewhere around that range. I'm going to take a break, and I'll be right back with my NFL team power rankings. Okay, I am back to talk about my NFL team power rankings. At number 32... What do you expect? We got the Jets. They're awful. I mean, they actually stayed in the game for most of the time against the Bills and had the lead at one point, but they're just a terrible team who uh, is not coached well, doesn't have much talent at all. They traded away most of their good players. They cut Le'Veon Bell. They're just a bad team. Uh, number 31, we got the Cowboys. Uh, they're on their third-string quarterback, a, a seventh-round draft pick uh, in this NFL draft. They're uh, one of the worst defenses that I've ever seen, uh, potentially the worst defense that I've ever seen. Uh, and now offensively, they haven't been the same ever since Dak Prescott got injured and now Andy Dolan's injured as well. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott has been arguably the most disappointing player in the entire NFL. Uh, he's been fumbling the ball way too much and he just uh, he hasn't been blocking well. He just hasn't been that same impact that we've seen him be in previous seasons. So yeah, they're 31. They've just been terrible. Uh, the Jaguars, Gardner Minshew is a guy who I like a lot. I love what he brings to the locker room, uh, and I think he's just a good guy who I'd want on my team, but as a backup, he just simply doesn't have enough arm talent. Uh, he really just can't make those big plays that other guys are able to, and we saw that in the game against the Chargers. We really saw the difference uh, with uh, Justin Herbert being their starting quarterback, a guy who has ridiculous arm talent and can make just some incredible throws that Gardner Minshew is simply not capable of making. Uh, and that's why I have him at 30. Their offense is pretty bad. Uh, and overall, they're just not a very talented team. Uh, they fight in most of the games, and they're pretty decently 
uh, coached, but they're simply not a talented enough team. Uh, number 29, I got the Vikings. They've been probably the most disappointing team in the NFL uh, so far. They've been so, so bad. Uh, their offense has been really disappointing. Uh, Kirk Cousins, after coming off a very good season, uh, just hasn't been good at all this season, to be completely honest. And then uh, with Dalvin Cook being down, that's a big, big loss for them as their running game is something they had to rely on so much. Uh, and it's something that was uh, basically the only saving grace to that offense. And now that Dalvin Cook's injured uh, and their running game is not the same, they're just a bad team with a defense that secondary has been terrible. Their cornerback play has been just atrocious. And their offense, uh, while having some playmakers on it, while having Dalvin Cook when he's healthy, while having Justin Jefferson, who's been phenomenal, uh, they just haven't been that good on either side of the ball, and there's a reason why they're 1-5. 28, we got the Giants. They've been a team that's been actually fighting in most of their games. Uh, they fought really hard against the Rams and made it a pretty competitive game. They fought very hard against the Eagles, and the Eagles had to get a last-second win uh, where Carson Wentz played some excellent football. And overall, they've just been a pretty decent team so far. So uh, uh, they're not great at all. There's a reason they're the 28th team ranked team in the NFL for me, but they've shown some fight that I really didn't expect. Daniel Jones has been uh, very inconsistent, shown some signs uh, that are very good and shown some very bad signs. Got to work on the fumbling for sure. That's a big issue for him, uh, and that's a big reason why they lost this uh, most recent game against uh, the Eagles, but they've been a, a pretty decent team uh, for what I expected at least. 27, we got football team. They're performing much better than I expected. Uh, they're just a really well-coached team. Ron Rivera has been uh, coaching uh, all these guys very well. Uh, and they're just a team who goes out there. They play hard. Uh, they all fight for each other. They have an incredible defensive line. Chase Young uh, is just such a beast, a player who uh, needs to be doubled at all times. Even if his sack numbers aren't crazy, it's because there's a lot of attention put on him. And that helps guys. Uh, like Ryan Kerrigan, who's another very good pass rusher. He may get traded, uh, but he's a very, very good player on that defensive line next to Chase Young. And uh, that's some, that's definitely the best part of their team by far. Their offense isn't great, but Terry McLaurin is incredible, a great receiver. Their running game uh, isn't very good, but it was uh, good against the Cowboys, which you kind of expect because this Cowboys team is terrible. But overall, they're just well-coached. Uh, they have a good defense, uh, and they're the 27th-ranked team. Number 26, we got my New England Patriots, an incredibly disappointing season so far from them. Uh, they started off looking very good, playing some very good football, but they've now, now fallen to 2-4. and four. Uh, Julian Edelman is getting knee surgery. That'll probably hold them out for uh, a majority of the rest of the season. And their offense, uh, that was already very bad. The receiving core, that was already very bad. Just got even worse. Uh, Cam Newton isn't playing good football, but a lot of times I'd feel bad for him because it's something that he really can't control. Uh, there's just nothing that he can do when no one's getting open. Uh, even when he's getting time to throw, he'll get like five seconds to throw, for, which in the NFL is a long time, and just no one's getting open. It's so, so embarrassing to watch his offense. The defense isn't the same as they lost multiple key uh, pieces like Kyle Van Oy in free agency these past couple of years. Uh, and then many players opted out. Uh, key ones like Dante Hightower opted out of the season. So this Patriots team is just uh, very, very bad. 
Uh, and I'm very uh, sad to see how poorly they've been playing. In my previous one, I had them at number 11. Uh, that was before the Broncos game because they uh, kept in the game against uh, the Chiefs, who are obviously an incredible team, without Cam Newton. So I thought Cam Newton would, would come back and they were going to play great. Uh, but nope, they're down 15 spots to the number 26 team in the league, and it's very sad that my Patriots are this bad. Uh, but that's just the circumstance uh, that we're going to have to deal with this year. Number 25, we got the Houston Texans. Uh, they did lose pretty bad to the Green Bay Packers, but the Packers are a way better team, so not really surprising at all. This team just isn't very good. Their running game is non-existent. Deshaun Watson has to try and do absolutely everything out there with not great receivers. He has a lot of just like above average receivers, not great tight end play. The offensive line play isn't very good. The defense hasn't been uh, really much. They're not getting after the quarterback well because J.J. Watt is basically their only pass rusher. This team is just bad. And, yeah, that's why I have them at 25. Number 24, we got the Broncos. They did end up beating the Patriots, uh, but lost very bad to the Chiefs. The Broncos are a team that this is just kind of a wash season for them due to them having to deal with so many injuries. But I like a lot of the players on their team, and I think they're going to have a better season next year. But for now, I expect them to be around this range, around 24 to 27-ish range. Uh, just hopefully they can continue to show fight. Hopefully players like Drew Locke can continue to show growth. And that would be... Uh, the bigger Ws they take this season than any wins they're going to get. Number 23, we got the Falcons. Uh, they did come off that win uh, against the Panthers, which was a good win for them. Uh, but they did have that terrible loss to the Lions. That was an embarrassing uh, choke for them. Obviously, it's the Falcons, so you expect them to manage to choke it. But, like, that was bad, bad. Uh, but, yeah, their offense is pretty good. Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. Julio Jones is the best receiver in the league. Uh, Calvin Ridley is a great number two. Todd Gurley, even though he wasn't good against the Panthers, uh, has been good uh, basically for the whole year, even though he had that uh, stupid play where he f uh, fell into the end zone uh, and he ended up scoring. That was just because of momentum. Obviously, he wasn't trying to do that. Uh, number 22, we got the Bengals. They're coming off a game where they uh, stayed in the game with a pretty good Browns team. Joe Burrow has looked phenomenal for them. He's starting to get some chemistry with A.J. Uh, Green and A.J. Green's playing a lot better football. Tyler Boyd's been very good for them. Joe Mixon is a very good running back, even though uh, statistics may not look like that. He's put behind a very bad offensive line, but he's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield and is just uh, very solid. The defense definitely isn't good at all. They have zero pass rush, uh, and that's the biggest issue. They also just traded Carlos Dunlap, so the pass rush gets even worse. Uh, but yeah, they're just they're not a great team. But Joe Burrow is super fun to watch, and this offense is pretty decent at least. Uh, number twenty-one, we got the Eagles. They won the game against the Giants, uh, just barely. Carson Wentz made some uh, very good plays. That throw he had to Boston Scott was perfect. But they're a team that continues to deal with a bunch of injuries because like that's just. Uh, what the Eagles do, Carson Wentz doesn't have many weapons. Miles Sanders is having a good year. Uh, the defense isn't really great. And overall, they're just going to continue to be in this spot. Uh, like, I have them plus one from last time we ranked them. I expect them to be 20 to 23 basically every time I do this. Uh, number 20, we got the Lions coming off the win against the Falcons. Uh, a good win for them. Their offense uh, has looked pretty good. Uh, 
J.K. Dobbins, wait, not not J.K. Dobbins. DeAndre Swift has definitely uh, looked better for them. Matthew Stafford, uh, even though he's never really won that much in his career, we should all know that Matthew Stafford is, at the end of the day, a good quarterback uh, who has good weapons as well. Kenny Galladay played some excellent football for them. I've heard rumors that he may potentially be in trade talks, but I don't think that they should do that at all because Kenny Galladay is a really, really good player. I, I really like Kenny Galladay. Uh, TJ Hawkinson had the game-winning touchdown for them. He's looked pretty good for them so far. And, I mean, overall, they're just a decent team, nothing special. I would expect them to probably be 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight this season, something like that. Uh, the Chargers, I have them uh, 19. They're coming off uh, a good win against the Jaguars. Uh, Justin Herbert continues to be phenomenal for them. Uh, their weapons are very good. The offensive line has been uh, pretty bad so far this season as it's definitely dealt with some injuries and just has been a little disappointing. But as long as Justin Herbert continues to be good, as long as uh, his good weapons like Keenan Allen and Mike Williams can stay healthy, they're going to be a solid team. They're very well coached. Anthony Lynn is a good coach. Uh, The defense has been pretty decent as well. And overall, they're just a solid team. Uh, number 18, we got the Dolphins. I'm incredibly excited to see what Tua Tungavailoa uh, does in his debut for them. That's honestly one of my most look forward to games is Rams versus Dolphins. Just because I'm so excited to see what Tua does in his debut. But yeah, the Dolphins are coming off a bye. But uh, previous to that, they looked uh, very good. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though he got benched, was playing some good football for them. And I just think overall, they're so, so well coached. Brian Flores is a phenomenal coach who has um, this year and the previous year. Uh, we were talking, I remember, at the beginning of the season about the Dolphins potentially being the worst team ever, and they were able to beat the Patriots in the last week of the year last year. That just shows how good of a coach that Brian Flores is, is that he's been able to win with uh, not very talented rosters. They do have some talented guys for sure, though. Uh, Mike Gesicki has been good for them this year. Devontae Parker's uh, has been good. They got some good pieces on the defensive side of the ball, and I just like this Dolphins team a lot. Number uh, 17, we have uh, the Panthers. Uh, they did lose that game to the Falcons, but I, I still saw some good things from them. I should have them lower. I think I meant to move them uh, down to 21. So, yeah, move everyone up because I moved the Falcons, but I forgot to move the Panthers. That's my bad. Uh, but, yeah, the Panthers, I mean, they've been decent so far. Teddy Bridgewater's playing some decent football. And they're just a, a team that has... Uh, been able to win some games with not a very talented roster. But, yeah, I'd have them uh, probably either just uh, above or just below the Eagles. So that's my bad for having them at 17. Uh, but number 16, we got the Raiders. They are coming off a loss to the Buccaneers where uh, they just fell apart in the fourth quarter. But this Buccaneers team has been playing excellent football, so they should have lost that game. They're just a team that, even though their defense isn't very good, they have a high-powered offense. Derek Carr has uh, had a pretty decent year. Uh Henry Ruggs doesn't really get that many snaps, but when he is in the game, he's a guy who can really take the top off the defense and can make some massive plays. Darren Waller has been incredible this season. Uh, They just have a good offense. Nelson Aguilar has even been good for them. Uh, Their running game has been good. Uh, Overall, they're just a decent team. I don't really expect them to make the playoffs. Uh, Maybe they could sneak in as a wild card, but yeah, they're just a solid team, and uh, I like this Raiders team. Number 15... Uh, I have the Colts. They've just been a, a pretty decent team so far this season. Phillip Rivers has definitely uh, had a lot of the same mistakes that crippled him last year. These uh, picks are so frustrating to watch when he just continuously throws just stupid balls. It's not even a, 
about him throwing uh, bad balls, just him making really bad decisions far too often. Uh, so, yeah, that's why I'm at 15. The defense has been something that's been really impressive. It's been one of the better ones in the NFL, but their offense is definitely holding them back a little bit with Phillip Rivers not being very good. Uh, number 14, we got the Browns coming off a good win against the Bengals where their offense uh, looked great. The defense definitely got to be better as uh, Joe Burrow tore them apart, but Kareem Hunt continues to be great for them. Uh, their passing game was very good as Baker Mayfield had his best game uh, in his NFL career so far. Did have that bad interception where Odell got injured. But honestly, I think this offense could still be good or maybe even better with, without Odell. He's just had a weird fit, and he, uh, him and Baker Mayfield have never just seemed uh, to have that chemistry. But they could still be a good team. I'm excited for when uh, Nick Chubb comes back because then they're – uh, two running back tandem will be back. Their tight ends have been great this season. Uh, and, yeah, I just expect this offense to continue to be good. Hopefully they can play better on the defensive side of the ball. And, yeah, I like this Browns team. Number 13, we do have the Bears uh, coming off uh, a loss to the uh, to the Rams. And, honestly, I'm just not a believer in the Bears at all. I've expressed this throughout uh, the entire year why I don't believe in the Bears uh, they're just a team whose offense is very lackluster. Uh, they don't have that explosiveness at all. Allen Robinson is basically their only big weapon. And uh, in a game like the game against the Rams where the other team has a shutdown corner like Jalen Ramsey, and they're putting a lot of focus on Allen Robinson, and then they're putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback because their offensive line isn't great. Aaron Donald was murdering them, uh, even though he didn't uh, get, like, a three-sack game or anything. He just had so much attention that needed to be put on him that it allowed so many uh, lanes for his other guys. And Aaron Donald, even when he was getting double-teamed, was still getting pressure on the quarterback. It forced Nick Foles to make a, a lot of quick throws, uh, and it forced him to miss uh, some receivers that were open. Even when they were beating a guy like Jalen Ramsey, Nick Foles just didn't have the time to make a good throw. So I just don't believe in the Bears team. The defense did look decent, but I just don't believe in this offense enough. Uh, number 12, we got the 49ers. They're playing a lot better football right now. Uh, I have them plus nine from where I had them previously ranked. Uh, they got a massive win against the Patriots where the offense looked pretty good and the defense completely shut down a horrible Patriots offense. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, isn't anything great. He's just a pretty average quarterback, but he has a good run game and uh, a very creative head coach. So uh, the 49ers is a super solid team who's playing good football right now. 11, I got the Saints. I uh, have them up three from where they were previously ranked. Uh, I've been really impressed with the Saints, uh, especially that win they got against the Panthers uh, without Michael Thomas. Uh, honestly, I expected them to maybe lose that game, especially with the direction it was going in, but it was a good win. Uh, Drew Brees played a lot better football, uh, and hopefully Michael Thomas can come back because that's going to be such a big weapon for them. He really hasn't played at all this season, and that's been hindering him. Uh, them a ton but I do have them at 11 as they are playing solid football right now number 10 I have the Bills uh, they just really haven't been impressive to me at all these past couple weeks Josh Allen has kind of fell back into being the normal Josh Allen uh, he's been better than last season but uh, not this crazy MVP that we saw at the beginning of the year uh, they barely squeaked out a game against a, a horrid Jets team just overall they've been a little bit uh, disappointed these past couple games. They haven't really had that super impressive win that, like, stamped this team as, oh, they are a contender. They've 
lost against most of the really good teams they faced. They lost against the Titans uh, handedly. They got destroyed that game. They lost handedly against the Chiefs. And I just don't know if I can believe in them to be a really good team. Number nine, have the Cardinals. Uh, They've been playing some excellent football uh, since this previous ranking. Last time I had them at 17 as they were looking like they were slowing down after a pretty hard a hot start, but they got a phenomenal win against a very good Seahawks team. Buda Baker could honestly make an argument for being the defensive player of the year. He's been ridiculous so far this season. And then uh, that DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Kyler Murray connection is something that has been incredible so far this season. Uh, they've been tearing up NFL defenses. Christian Kirk has been good for them. Uh, they are going to be uh, down their starting running back, which is going to hurt a little bit, but they're still a very good team with an explosive offense and a defense uh, that has some good uh, pieces on it. Uh, them missing Chandler Jones is definitely a huge loss, and we're seeing that with their pass rush just not being the same at all, uh, but they're still a good team, and I like this Cardinals team a ton. Uh, number eight, I have the Rams coming off a good win against the Bears. Jared Goff has played some very good football so far this season. Uh, like I said, when I was talking about uh, the Bears, Aaron Donald is just ridiculous. Uh, other than QBs, I, I'll always have probably a QB as the best player in the league just because they're so valuable to winning. But as a non-QB, Aaron Donald is easily the best player in the league, and it's not even close. He's just so ridiculous. His ability to rush the passer is truly generational. Uh, he's going to go down as one of the best pass rushers of all time. Uh, and then, I mean, the offense, like I said, Jared Goff is having a good season. Their running game, uh, it's a, more of a, a committee thing for sure, less than when they had uh, when they had Todd Gurley, and he was their main rusher. They've used like three running backs this season, uh, and they're all getting a good amount of carries, and they're playing some good football. They have good weapons. Uh, like Jalen Ramsey is a lockdown corner, and I just like this team a lot. They've exceeded my expectations a ton i had pretty low expectations for them going into the season i expect them to be like eight and eight uh but they've been way better than that and i really like what I, everything i've seen from this rams team number seven have the titans coming off a very very close loss to the steelers they played some good football on that one derrick henry has been ridiculous this season uh ryan Tannehill's played some very good football it's proven that he's a top 10 quarterback in the league uh A.J. Brown has been ridiculous for them. Their defense did step up and make some big plays. Jayon Brown made multiple massive plays for them in that game. And like I said, they barely lost to a very good Steelers team. The game would have gone into overtime if uh, Stefan Guskowski uh, didn't miss that field goal. So that's a good sign for uh, them. They're honestly a team that could be even higher because uh, I have the Steelers, uh, spoiler alert, as my number two team, and they really competed in their Honestly, pretty even with the Steelers. These, like, top seven teams were so hard to rank because these teams are all so good. Uh, Number six, I have the Ravens. They're still a team that I feel like is lacking that number one uh, receiver, and that's the big hindrance, but their defense is incredible. They picked up Yannick Ngakwe, which is a great pickup for them. Lamar Jackson has been pretty good this season. Their running game has been pretty good. And overall, they're just a well-coached, well-run team. Uh, Who knows what they're doing? Uh, number five, I have the Seattle Seahawks did end up losing that game to the Cardinals where a lot of stuff that I just don't expect to happen, uh, happened like Russell Wilson throwing three interceptions. He had a lot of just, uh, out of character plays for him. Uh, but Tyler Lockett has been ridiculous for them this season and had 
one of the best uh, receiving games I've seen in a long time. 15 receptions for 200 yards and three touchdowns is just a monstrous game. DK Metcalf has been great for them this season. They did pick up Carlos Dunlap to help that pass rush, uh, which even though they're still going to need more help, that is uh, a good sign, especially because they only had to give up an offensive lineman uh, that wasn't a starter and a seventh-round pick. That helps a lot for them because that pass rush is probably the weakest part of their team. Overall, their defense isn't great, but their lack of ability to get to the quarterback has been the biggest hindrance for them, and that's why I have them at five. Uh, number four, we got the Packers. Uh, had a big bounce-back win uh, against the Houston Texans. Obviously, they aren't a very good team, uh, but the they took business of them. They never even gave the Houston Texans a chance, and that's what you like to see. Uh, a lot of people don't really give like credit for a much better team beating a bad team, but at the end of the day, you got to take care of business, and uh, we'd be criticizing them a ton if they lost that game, so when they win the game uh, in convincing fashion, you got to give them credit for that too. Uh, number three, have the Buccaneers. They've been playing ridiculous football. Tom Brady is playing some of the best football I've seen him play in a long time. Now that he has actual weapons, he's just been throwing some beautiful balls. They're going to uh, get Antonio Brown, which definitely factors into my ranking because uh, he's going to be another massive piece for them. Uh, Rob Gronkowski has been playing some excellent football and is starting to look a lot more like himself. He just needed to get into the groove of things. Uh, and get back into the football routine. He's been playing great, and I just love this Buccaneers team. Their defense has been incredible. Todd Bowles uh, has been just so, so good for them as a, their defensive coordinator. Their uh, linebacker duo of Levante David and Devin White is ridiculous, and, yeah, they've just been playing excellent football. Shout-out to the Buccaneers. Number two, have the Steelers. Uh, they had that massive win against the Titans, and overall, uh, their offense has been pretty good. Big Ben is having a decent season. Did uh, have not the greatest game at all against the Titans, throwing three interceptions. Uh, and Chase Claypool wasn't that insane receiver that we'd seen him be in previous games because they put a lot of focus on him. But their defense is something that they can rely on uh, to be good in every single game. They're great at stopping the run. Derrick Henry still had a good game against them. Because uh, it's Derrick Henry, but against literally anyone else, they completely shut down the run. Uh, we saw them against the Browns give the Browns a ton of trouble. And, yeah, I really like everything I've seen from the Steelers team. They've been playing uh, excellent football all year, and that's why they're undefeated, and that's why they're the only undefeated team in the league. And number one, have the Chiefs. Uh, they had that win against the Broncos. And, honestly, even though I've had the Chiefs like three in some rankings, I still just don't see any team being the Chiefs. They're just too good. This offense is incredible. Their defense has been uh, decent. The biggest uh, issue with them has definitely been their uh, offensive line, which is weird because I don't really expect that. But, yeah, the Chiefs are just an incredible team, and I still uh, definitely have them winning the Super Bowl. I just can't see anyone else beating them. But, yeah, that's been the episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. It's been Michael. Peace out.